Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. Well, here we are. You guys ventured through race traffic. You made it. Right? How many of you ran the half marathon this morning before you came in? Anybody? I was thinking about giving it a whirl, but <clears throat> figured I should just be here. Good to have you here this morning. Hey, I would love to introduce to you, introduce to you, Tammy. Tammy, would you join me over here? Everybody say hi, Tammy. Hi, Tammy. This is Tammy. Tammy, this is the gang. Now, Tammy wears a number of hats uh, in the life of our church. Uh, One of those is she's a part of the leadership team for Family Promise. You heard uh, Dave talking about that earlier, so she helps make that happen for us, which is awesome. She is a champion for prayer. Uh, There's a group that gathers for prayer every Sunday morning. You're invited to be a part of that. But also, she is a part of the leadership team for Forward Together, this ministry initiative that we're launching this month. And so uh, she's going to come and just share a little bit of her heart in that with us and invite you into it. So Tammy, share, share with us. Thank you. Um, first of all, I know that you're out there. I'm not sure who you, if you know who I'm talking about. But before I tell you who it is that I'm talking about... I wanted to just uh, give a little bit of uh, kind of a backstory of the four together. And when they got started here a few months ago um, with our faithful uh, leaders in that group, which they have been meeting every week and doing an awesome job getting things going, they have a three-year plan. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. What I wanted to say was that... They realized when they had their very first meeting that prayer was going to be uh, far more important than what they realized and following God's leading. So one of the first things they did was they asked to get a, a, for each group that's going to be set up, a prayer leader so that people would make sure to keep God at the forefront of everything that we're doing and following the Holy Spirit and praying. And... I think you're already going to know if you have been a part of this church for long. Today, this morning at 8.30, this is off my script, but we had 10 people in the prayer group this morning. I mean, with some people that we know usually are there, weren't there. And then this morning, I don't know if you saw it, but before the message, during the last song, um, Joe came over and he laid his hands on uh, Pastor Matt and he prayed with him. Now, that's how our church should be operating. That's off my script, so let me get back. Okay. So there's ways that you can get involved with the Forward Together movement. That's happening. It's our initiative for the next three years. So maybe you want to be one of those prayer leaders. That might be a way that you can do something. If you can't come to every meeting and you can't physically get out but you want to pray, that may be something that you can do. We also, we are joining in with what the church is already doing. So the The night of worship that's coming up that everybody is so excited about, we're going to be having some prayer breakout sessions and the Forward Together team is working to um, help with that right now. We also are a part of the Care and Prayer um, ministry team that's run by Deb Miller and um, we pray for needs that are already... um, that she knows about and that the church knows about. This is in addition to the Friday uh, prayer um, email that you already get. 
So now Forward Together also is having a prayer email. So if you want to be a part of that, um, you can be a part of that. You can join in the vision. And I believe that if you go to the Forward Together website and there's the QR codes in the back along with the pamphlets for the people that maybe are not as tech savvy, um, we want to do that. We want to get... We have just a huge vision for prayer and how it's going to be coming out in the next few years in our church. So who knows? It may be that we have an all-night vigil for something that we're praying about, okay? I'm not sure where it's going, but I do know that exciting, exciting things are happening, and you're going to be a part of it. So be a part of Forward Together. Get on the prayer list. Um, if you want to talk to somebody about the four together, like I say, grab one of the flyers. And so I wanted to say, who of you, who, who is it that I was talking about when I said, I know you're out there? Who it is? It's the prayer warriors. Prayer warriors, okay? That's you. I know there's some of you out there, and we want to have you be a part. I wanted to share some verses, but I'm not sure. I'm still pretty nervous and probably already over my You're time. You're fine. Go ahead and so. share, share, share a passage with us, Talia. Okay. Okay. Turn to James chapter 5, because it's not going to be up on the screen. Get the, get the reading glasses on here. So it's in James chapter 5. Thank you for those that turn to that. I appreciate it. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayers offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man of nat- <clears throat> with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the sky poured out rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I think... I think that's a pretty powerful uh, scripture about prayer, and I thank you for listening and giving me a chance to talk today. Thank you. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you for thank you for leading the charge for us and helping us continue to grow as a church in prayer. Thank you, Tammy. Um, you know, as, as Tammy said, uh, you can get more information if you're a paper kind of person. Feel free to grab the brochures. Fills you in on what uh, Forward Together is all about. We've got them in the back and up back and uh, up top and out in the, the commons there. Uh, we'd love to, for you to have that information. If you want to go online, you can get that at our website, centerpointnh.org. All right, so that's a great way to get that information. And as Tammy was talking about uh, prayer and the nature of prayer, that is a, a part of the culture uh, that we want to see continue to grow in the life of our church, this humble dependence on God. 
um, and through his word, through prayer, as we continually come before him and let him lead us uh, as we walk forward in a courageous obedience to his leadership in our lives, both individually and corporately as, as church family. So uh, this is an area of, of, of growth for us, and I'm grateful for you, Tammy, and others that uh, lead the charge for us in helping us grow as people who walk in humble dependence on God. So in that spirit, let's just pause, shall we, and pray. Let's do it. Father, we come before you this morning uh, trusting that you hear our prayers, that in your mercy you hear our prayers. We come in here this morning in need of you. God, we need your wisdom. We need you to to show us uh, you are wisdom, to show us what life is and what it is to walk with you and live with you. God, we look to you and um, we need your encouragement in our lives. Some of us just sit here this morning and and we're not even sure what to make of our lives and we need your encouragement. Uh, We need your peace. We need your joy. We need your love. God, we need your righteousness, justice, holiness. We need you, Lord. And so meet with us, fill us. Draw us more fully alive into who you are. God, we also pause and we pray for the world around us. God, we pray for the runners and it costs us a little bit extra time and parking this morning, but we pray that you would, uh, that you would reveal yourself in the midst of running and cheering, that you would plant yourself down in the middle of the community as those folks run by our building this morning. We're mindful that these are people that you love. And so I pray that you would draw them to yourself. God, uh, we think uh, around the world, wars and rumors of wars. Continue to pray that you would bring your peace in Ukraine. There are people there who are suffering under the brutal attacks of war. And we ask that you would bring it to an end. God, we think about Israel and what's going on there and amongst the Palestinians. God, these are people that you love. God, they are your people in the midst there. Our brothers and sisters are experiencing the brutality of war. And so we call out to you on their behalf that you would bring peace. That you would supernaturally bring an end to war. We know that there will be a time upon your return when you will do that, ultimately. And that now we live in a fractured world. But we also know that peace is a signpost pointing towards who you are. And your goodness and your mercy and your power. And so we pray for peace. We pray that you would grow your spirit in us as peacemakers. That we would be known as yours. For Jesus, you said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons and daughters of God. Do that in us. Settle our hearts through your spirit, we pray. We pray all of this with eager expectation of what you want to do here in our midst today as we study your word. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and give us hearts that are soft and pliable in your care. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So uh, we're making our way through 
understanding what does it look like for us to move forward together. And there's three key areas of our life together that we're, we're moving forward, we're recalibrating, we're focusing, and, and we're moving forward. Uh, we spent a couple weeks talking about uh, the, the first of those and what it means to be family and what does family look like and how do we guard the goodness of family uh, in how we interact with each other. And so we took a couple weeks to do that. And for this week and next week, we're going to be focusing on what does it mean for us to be witnesses uh, together, to move forward as witnesses together. Now, uh, this is coming off the heels of a 20-week series on Acts, which gave us a whole lot of what it looks like to bear witness to who Jesus is and to be his witnesses in this world. And so for some of us, it might be a little bit of a a refresher these couple of weeks, but we're going to dive into this anyway and really begin to allow God to ignite our imagination for what what does it look like for us to be witnesses together? And so there certainly is an individual aspect to this, but there's a a corporate aspect to this too, that, that together we bear witness Uh, to Jesus and his gospel. And so for today, what we're going to do is we're going to really dial into uh, the gospel. What is the gospel? And we uh, might have a a variety of conversations and we're all at different places on our spiritual journey and and, uh, in our life with, with God. And so some of us might find ourselves very familiar with this and others of us might find ourselves a little bit more tentative about this. And frankly, even some of you here in the room or watching online, maybe this is the first time you've even heard this. And so what do we mean? This actually doesn't even matter what we mean. What does scripture mean when it talks about the gospel? And so for us to be a gospel people, for us to bear witness uh, to the gospel of Jesus, what does this mean? What does it look like? And, and how does scripture teach us about these things? And that's what we're going to explore here together. And there's one main text, we're going to look at several uh, passages this morning, but the main one that I want us to look at is found in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. One of the things that we're going to see and explore together is that there's, there's uh, actually a variety of ways that scripture talks about the gospel, but there's, there's threads in this that unite the entire story. And so we begin looking at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now we're going to take a couple of minutes when we're done here, and I'm going to ask you what you notice as we read. Uh, so you kind of, kind of notice stuff. Pay attention to stuff, and we're going to talk about it for a couple of minutes uh, when I'm done reading. All right, We're going to look at the first five verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. It says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel magic word, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, circle the word, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And we're going to stop reading there, but you'll look on, he appeared to many others as well. But that's the passage that I want us to explore a bit this morning, uh, those first five verses. So as I read that, maybe you were reading on the screen or on your Bible in front of you, uh, what were 
What's something that stood out to you? What did you notice? What stood out to you? What did you notice? Feel free to kind of say it out loud so everybody can hear. Have you got anything? What did you notice? So I have delivered you unto the first of all which I have received and how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That's right. It's kind of he received a first importance. Like this is of primary importance. Thanks, Norm. What else did you notice? Yeah, so David is talking a little bit about, like, if, like, this is salvation if you stand in it, stand firm in it, otherwise you've believed in vain, right? Yeah, what, what were we saying over here? The gospel came from the word. The gospel came from the word. The gospel came from the word, like scriptures, right? Yeah, that's crucial, isn't it? Anybody else? Yeah, talking to everyone. It's not just a select group here. It's a small little group here. It's broad, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of reminds us that the gospel is for everyone, doesn't it? Yeah. Good. These are, these are good things to notice. And, and so when we talk about the gospel, we're going to see these threads throughout Scripture. The, the Word has given us uh, this, uh, this gospel. Now, interestingly enough... Um, the word gospel isn't a Jesus-only word. Now, in this context, we often think about it in terms of Jesus, uh, but gospel has a broader meaning. And the broader meaning of the word gospel, as it's originally given this, it simply means good news. Gospel means good news. Well, that seems, that seems good, doesn't it? So when we talk about gospel... What we know is we're talking about something that is good news. Now, when we're talking about this, this good news, this gospel, it was always used uh, in its context as a proclamation. It is a proclamation of something that has happened after which everything has changed. This gospel, this good news, is a proclamation of something that has happened after which Everything has changed. And it was most often used to talk about a transition in leadership. So a Roman emperor might be changing. One dies, that's bad news. But then a new emperor comes in and the new emperor is announced. Oh, this is good news. Emperor so-and-so is the new emperor. We have a ruler. He's good and kind and benevolent and his rule is spreading throughout the empire. Emperor Frank is here. This is good news for everybody, right? And so this is how it was often used. Something that has happened after which everything has changed. Now, can you think of things in your life um, that something happened that changed everything from there on out? Feel free to share it with, with the rest of us. What are things that have happened in your life after which everything was different? Having kids. Having kids, Having kids does that, right? Getting married does that, right? These are, these are moments, aren't they? Any others that you can think of in your life? Inheritance. Say it again. Inheritance. An inheritance changes things, doesn't it? Yeah. Changing jobs. Being a missionary, kind of that choice of, of where you're going to serve and what that's going to do. Those are things that change things, right? So we, we have an imagination in our lives of something that happened after which everything changed. 
I think about the first time I met um, my first child. I, like, I love number two and number three. Um, they changed things also. But, but number one, you know, there, he, he was born, Isaac was born, and, and I got to hold him. And something changed in me. In that moment, it, I think everybody said it would happen, but it was still pretty startling. As I'm holding my son for the first time, the entire world changed. It's as if I saw the dangers of the world for the first time. And the first time that I dared put him in my car to drive him places, are you kidding me? They let other people on the road? This is unheard of. Who does this sort of madness, right? It changes everything. It changes the way we use our time. It changes our sleep patterns, right? That's fair. It changes what we do with our money, right? We think differently about our money. We think differently about our work. We think differently about our time. We think differently about our home. We think differently about our clothing after they've been anointed by spit up enough times, right? Those are, those are examples of things that they happen and they change everything. And so when we talk about the gospel, it is good news. It is good news of something that happened after which everything has changed. Now listen to uh, Romans chapter 10. Feel free to turn there, Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10 uh, gives us a a summary. It's kind of like the the shortest summary of this proclamation, the shortest summary of the good news about Jesus, right? So we're talking about gospel in its broader sense and what it means. And now we're applying this to how does scripture talk about the good news of Jesus? That is what we are witnesses to. That is what we proclaim. All right, so um, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so this key passage, like if you had, I don't have that one underlined, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, those, that's a good one to circle in this. Because a Paul, who wrote this, um, inspired by the Spirit, is drawing us into this proclamation about Jesus. And so the, the shortest summary proclamation of the good news of Jesus, did you hear it in there? Jesus is Lord. You can say the gospel in three words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And we are witnesses of his lordship. And so he became Lord. Paul mentions it here. We're going to talk a little bit about it more in a moment. The resurrection from the dead. Jesus is Lord. And you, are, you buy, you, you trust the resurrection of the dead when he became Lord. And this is how we talk about the gospel of Jesus in Romans chapter 10. Jesus is Lord. It is the announcement, listen to this. It is the announcement of this good news. When we say Jesus is Lord... We are proclaiming for heaven, in heaven and earth, we are proclaiming that the tyrannical rule of Satan has come to an end and the loving rule of God has begun. When we proclaim the gospel, Jesus is Lord, we are proclaiming the end of the tyrannical rule of Satan and we are proclaiming the beginning of the loving rule of God. Here in our midst. 
Now, Jesus, when he talked about the good news, Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated the good news in terms of the arrival of the kingdom of God. When we hear uh, the words gospel, good news, and they're coming from Jesus' mouth, it includes the words the kingdom of God, or some gospel writers were recorded as the kingdom of heaven. I want to take a look at a couple of those passages because what we see is as Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated the good news in terms of the arrival of the kingdom of God, he did like that kingdom of God is coming through himself, which he understood and was helping other people to understand. It's the fulfillment of the promise of God throughout the Hebrew scriptures. What we have is the Old Testament. And so look first at Mark chapter um, one, if you would, the gospel of Mark chapter one. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. Circle it, the gospel of God, the good news of God. What was this good news that he proclaimed? Verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so when we see the lordship of Jesus being proclaimed, Jesus is Lord, is telling us what the gospel is. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The time is now, is telling us what the gospel is. Right? These are are places that are leading us to understand these things. And Jesus was proclaiming this, not in isolation, but understanding that this has been proclaimed since the very beginning. And so we see Jesus' teaching in Luke 24, Luke 24, verses 44 through 48. Luke 24, beginning at verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you when I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Right? The, Jesus is getting specific not to, to limit us to where uh, the scriptures talk about, but to, to, to tell us. It talks about them throughout the whole scriptures. All the writings of the Hebrew scriptures lead us to Jesus. Everything must be filled that is written about me, Jesus says, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. So when we talk about being a witness to the gospel of Jesus... We, in this day, in this age, now we are witnesses of these things. That Jesus has become Lord. Jesus is Lord. That the kingdom of God has drawn near. And that uh, through him, everything changes. Now let's talk a little bit more about some of these pieces that actually change. I want us to go back to the original passage we looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because what we see, we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about the lordship of Jesus, we look throughout Acts and the different gospel proclamations in those places. And what we see is that there's always some some different contextual ways that they talk about the gospel. The gospel itself doesn't change, but how they talk about it depends on the audience and what they're trying to communicate, right? But there's always this thread that's moving its way through the pronouncements of the gospel, 
There's always these threads. And so we see outlined in this 1 Corinthians passage three things that become for us the core elements of the gospel of Jesus. All right? Three elements at the core of the gospel of Jesus. And the first of those we see right in in verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, listen to this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And so to, to unpack a bit of what's happening here, that essential, a core to the gospel of Jesus is that he, he has died for our sins, that we might be released from, forgiven from, justified from our sin. And so we have an understanding that we have all rebelled against God, that we, in our rebellion, are enemies of God. Think about that. When we reject God's law, when we push away God's love and life, we become his enemies. And all of us, that is our natural state. What we know to do in and of ourselves what we know to do is to rebel against God. Like as much as there's different um, political groups and there's different um, ethnicities around the world and there's different languages, there's different jobs and vocations and trade groups and all those things, the one thing that all of us have in common as people is that we have rebelled against God and we are by nature his enemies. We have stood opposed to God, even in the pieces of our lives that we think are so good. And we're going to see in a few minutes why even that stands in rebellion against God. We are God's enemies, dead in our sin. And the more that we try to grasp our way out, the more we try to finagle our way out of this entrapment to our own sin nature, the more we tie ourselves and are bound We are dead in our sin. It is through Jesus's atoning sacrifice. Through his sacrifice. That's what it means. That Christ died for our sins. It is through his sacrifice that God has reconciled us to himself. And there is no other way. That Jesus was our substitute. He took our place. And even as we talk about the the ways, uh, the Bible talks about the atonement in, in different ways. All of it leading to the place where we have been freed from the bondage of sin. It talks about slavery to sin, but we have been made free. It talks about substitution where he has stood in on our behalf. And died on our behalf. It talks about he um, came as a ransom for many. That he paid a ransom that we could not pay on our own. He bought us at a price. What was that price? It was his own life and his shed blood. He is the Passover lamb. The one who takes away the sins of the world. Right, And so scripture holds out this beautiful diamond and invites us to look at it in all of its facets and be in awe at the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. For by his death, we are freed from sin. No longer counted as enemies of God. No longer rebels, but made children, sons and daughters of the most high God. Listen again, we're, uh, we can um, 
flip over to Second uh, uh, Corinthians. All right, so we got First Corinthians, and we're going to go Second Corinthians, and we're going to go to chapter five. Second Corinthians, chapter five, uh, verses eighteen to twenty-one. Listen to how this talks about this. All of this, right, this new life in Christ, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen to verse 21. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what is meant and all its richness and beauty. When we look at the verse that says, by Christ we have been forgiven of our sins. Christ died for the forgiveness of sins, for my sin, for your sin. Because all of us, in all different, like we can be so creative when it comes to the ways that we rebel against God. We have incredible capacity for creativity in the ways that we rebel. But all of us have rebelled against him and stand opposed to him. But he has made it right. So, right? so Christ died for our sins. The second part of this, go back to the uh, First Corinthians passage. The second part of this we see in uh, verses 4 and 5. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that uh, he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve and, and again to a bunch of others. So he was buried. So not only did he die, he was buried and raised on the third day. And he revealed himself to others. Now this is important. And so it's in his resurrection that a number of things are taking place. One is the father is affirming, is, is putting power on the son that that which was dead is now alive. He raised, there's a validation in what's taking place there through the resurrection of Jesus. He's doing that uh, for the son. Through the resurrection, God overcame death, established Jesus as Lord, right? Because that's what we proclaim, right? Jesus is Lord. And listen to this. He began new creation in the Son, who is the firstborn over all creation. In the resurrection, God overcame death, established Jesus as Lord, and began new creation in the Son, who is the firstborn over all creation. And so his, um, his appearing becomes very important, it becomes very important. Uh, it's important because it's a reminder that he was dead. It wasn't a fake death. He wasn't pretending dead. He didn't just pass out. He was dead. He was dead, 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 dead. That's, that's what he was. He was dead. And then he came back. It wasn't an apparition. It wasn't a spirit. It wasn't a dream. Um, he had body. They could touch it. They talked with him. They ate with him, right? His resurrection is real. What was dead is now alive. And in this is birthed new life. And it's the beginning. He's the firstborn of new creation. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this, right? Notice that there's a phrase attached to both of those phrases. Did you see it in there? Patty alluded to this. Said the words. So Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And here's why this is so important. Because God has been showing us throughout 
human history who he is and what he's about. Okay? And so the scriptures are the revealed and unified story of God that leads us, that culminates, it leads us to Jesus. And so in this collection of books inspired by the Holy Spirit, the preservation of these writings are inspired by the Holy Spirit become for us a collection. This collection is a unified story from beginning to end that reveals what God is up to. And this whole thing culminates in the life, death, resurrection, and enthronement of Jesus. Through whom God is renewing all things and leading us and teaching us, showing us what it looks like to walk with him. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom, biblical wisdom, biblical wisdom is always about walking with God. And so this is what life looks like. This is what God is up to and this is what he's revealing. Okay? And so the scriptures become crucial for looking at and understanding this beautiful diamond of the gospel that God has given us. And so let's take a little look at that, shall we? Now I think we've got a slide up here that gives us a good uh, snapshot of what the scriptures are. Um, and so it leads us, we, we might kind of narrow it down to five specific movements in scripture from creation to fall, to redemption, uh, road to redemption, excuse me, to redemption itself in Christ, and then restoration. Notice where the story begins, because that tells us where the story is going. And that's not insignificant at all. We notice where the story begins, because it tells us where the story is going. Now, I want to do something, and I'm going to need, I'm going to need four helpers with me, all right? So I'm going to call on you. You can send me hate mail later. Marcus, can you come on up here and give me a hand? Uh, Brittany, are you willing to come up here and give me a hand? Um, uh, Erica, if you would give me a hand. And Rick, will you give me a hand? All right? See, this will teach you all to let me learn your names. Come on up here. And if you would, just kind of stand in a row towards the back of the carpet here. Okay? And so what we want to do is uh, we're going to take a snapshot and we're looking particularly, come on onto the carpet, uh, come onto the carpet because we want to make sure we're in lights and all that kind of thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at how does this story begin? So this is going to stay up there for us right now, um, but we want to look particularly at this first little bit because how the story begins tells us where the story is going. This is important. And so when we talk about what Christ did according to the scriptures, he died according to the scriptures, he rose again according to the scriptures, it's not just that there was some... Um, interesting episodic prophecies about Jesus, there were, the whole story leads us to Jesus, okay? So, we're going to, you guys are going to hold things, so kind of do a little practice, go like this. Excellent, okay. So, we're going to go one at a time here, so some of you are just eye candy for a moment, and it's, it's, it's sticky and I'm trying not to rip it, all right. Okay, so this first one, we're going to come down here, we're going to come down here, and Erica, kind of hold that up, hold that up, hold that, so, right, this is great. So you can tell I'm an artist, right off the bat, so we know that this is beautiful. Okay, so what we got here, um, let's go back to the beginning, right? You guys know how the story begins. So the story begins, in the beginning, God, right? Let's just stop being there. In the beginning, God. 
We're not going to go three words at a time through the entire story, I promise. But, but it's significant. In the beginning, God created. This is God creating his speaking, right? So God did this thing on purpose. God is creator. This is who he is. He lays the foundation. God, before anything was, God was. God always has been. He is not of creation, but he spoke creation. In the beginning, God created, what did he create? Heaven and earth. And notice these are little, this is a Venn, two Venn circles. Because it was created, heaven and earth, to be together. It wasn't heaven and earth, it was heaven and earth. And how do we know that? Well, listen to the stories. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And so he did his thing. We get pictures of heaven and earth coming together in the, in the story of uh, the creation of humanity. And so uh, humans were of the dust of creation, and then br- God breathed his spirit into them, heaven and earth coming together. We get the picture of God walking amongst creation, walking with them in the cool of the day. We get that later on in the passage. And so this is a story about, in the beginning, God created heavens and earth, and heaven and earth were designed to be together. And there was a special... Uh, uh, part of creation, humanity, again, you can compliment my artistry, man and woman. And they were designed, they were designed as image bearers to reflect God into creation. Image bearers reflecting God into creation, right? And he, God even made a special place for them. What was the name of the special place? Eden. Eden. Right? In all of creation, God made Eden right here where heaven and earth go. And so Eden is about where heaven and earth come together. God resides with his creation. It's the language of abundance and flourishing and goodness and beauty. Remember God said, you, like they talked about the, the waters teeming with fish. The earth teeming with, filled with flourishing with um, animals and vegetation. And God said, all of this is yours. You can do all these good things, right? So he created them, put them in this beautiful place. So the one thing you can't do is you can't uh, eat from this one particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what I want you to do is I want you to, to, what was the commission that he gave them? Be fruitful, right? Multiply, cover the earth, subdue the earth, rule and reign with him over all of creation. They were supposed to take the goodness, the flourishing of Eden into all of creation. They were to, I love Joe's word, Edenize all of creation. That was their, their commission. Now, that would all be fantastic, wouldn't it? But again, th- it's important to remember, sorry camera people, I'm off camera, I know, I'm, but we're working here. All right, so... Um, like, it's important to notice where the story begins because it tells us where the story goes. All right, Rick's going to pinch it for us. So what we have here in this Eden place, in comes snake. Ooh, boo, right? Give him a big boo. Boo, he comes into the story. And he tempts the man and the woman a little bit, right? They were created to reflect God's image back into creation. But he said, well, did God really? And they're like, well, I'm not really sure. Maybe we should do something else. So what did they do? What did they do? They saw what seemed good to them. Like God had told them what was good, flourishing, goodness, fullness. God, but they saw what was good to them. And what did they do? They rang bells about it. They took it. They took it. They saw what they wanted, what they determined was good, and they took it for themselves. And everything went haywire then. 
In that moment, heaven and earth were ripped apart. They could no longer coincide together. They could no longer live in harmony together. And so all of creation, and so what we see is their relationship with God was broken. Their relationship with each other was broken. They began to fight with each other. Of course, he knows better, but he's holding stuff, so I'm safe. And, uh, and their relationship to creation. Listen, listen, listen. Their relationship to creation was destroyed through their rebellion. They were, they were commissioned to be caretakers of creation, to bring flourishing and goodness and wholeness. And so what, is, what do they do? They take for themselves, they take for their own pleasure. And frankly, humans have been doing that ever since. Seeing, taking for our own and fracturing this beautiful thing that God has done. Now God spoke to the snake and he said, there's gonna come one the seed, from the seed of the woman, so there's gonna become a human one, and you will strike his heel. The viper will strike the heel and cause harm to the one that will come. But he will crush your head. So the snake is put on notice. There is one who is going to come who will crush your head, who will destroy you. Who is this one? That's a great question. So what happens... Thank you, Brittany. The pincher's going. So what happens in this fractured place, instead of bringing thriving and flourishing through all of creation, what does mankind bring? Sin and violence violence. to all of creation. Sin and violence came to all. We covered the earth, but we covered the earth with violence. We're stuck in violence. And it begs this question... Because we see it not only in the original two, we see it in us today. In our rebellion, we bring violence that rips apart heaven and earth. Who will save us? The Hebrew scriptures are begging, who will save us? Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And so the whole of, of Hebrew scriptures is filled with the question, is this the one? And so we go down and we're told the earth is filled with violence. God re- uh, grieved making people because they were so filled with violence, except for one man and his family, Noah. And so we ask the question, oh, is he the one? Right? Is he the one? He makes a boat in obedience to God, puts all the animals on there. It's a floating Eden throughout the floodwaters, the deconstructing waters of God's judgment. Is he the one? Maybe he gets out of the boat and he makes a garden. Oh, the garden. We're thinking about the garden. Maybe Noah is the one. Oh, he makes alcohol from the garden and he gets drunk and he lays naked in his tent. Oops, he's not the one. We go, the story continues. Moses, he must be the one. God's people are trapped. He must be the one. Moses, he's this guy. Well, we learn pretty quickly. What did he do before he even was called by God? He killed he saw some, somebody, abu- an Egyptian, abusing an Israelite. He killed him. He took matters into his own hands. We thought he was the one. He's not the one. David, King David in Israel, he must be the one. He's a great king. He's so humble. He must be the one until we get to bath time. And we go, oh, he's not the one, right? And so the human history is this circle, circle, circle. And everyone, oh, is this the one? No, no, no. Is this the one? No, no, no. Is this the one? No, no, no. Right? And every time this, we make another loop around this, it, it, the, the question becomes more aching. Who will save? If it, Noah can't save us, who will? If Moses can't save us, who will? If David can't save us, who will? But even though it creates ache, it's also leading a breadcrumb trail to show us 
what the person will be like when they do. New, new Eden is what we learn about. It's a, we get a picture of New Eden. Heaven and earth coming back together. Rescue from slavery. That's a picture of God's salvation. Who will rescue us? It's substitution. He's going to stand in the place, right? Moses, God was going to destroy the Israelites. Moses said, destroy me instead. It's going to be a king where you get the language of kings, of justice and righteousness. And so the Hebrew scriptures from beginning to end show us what God's design is. And a lot of times what we think is that God has given up on this because we're just a bunch of buttheads doing our own things and we can't figure ourselves out. But let's be, God started all of this and his intention is always, he never gives up on that. He never gives up on the plan. He never gives up on the plan through the cycles, through the cycles, through the cycles. And even in our day, God is not giving up on the plan. And he has shown us with a breadcrumb trail, who is the one who will save us? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You guys can take your seats. You guys are awesome. Pinchers are great. And so when we say Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, he was buried and raised on the third day according to the scriptures, this is what we're talking about. That he, how the story begins is how the story goes. And we have to pay attention to what our stuff is. We are part of the spiral. I am a part of the spiral because I try to get myself, I try to save myself, I try to work it to bring heaven and earth together and I grasp and I flail and I look for what is good to me and I take it. And salvation never comes from the seeing and the taking. It only comes through the dying. And this is the picture that Christ gives us over and over and over. And so we see this creation fall, this road to redemption, that in Christ, he is the one who answers every question along the way. The ache of the human heart, the entrapment of the human soul finds freedom and salvation, redemption in Christ alone. And in what Christ is doing, it's leading somewhere. And what scripture reveals to us, it's leading to a place when he returns, when he returns in his culminating judgment to eternal death and redemption to eternal life in new heaven and new earth where his people will rule and reign with him over all of creation, where heaven and earth is brought back together and we rule and reign with him for eternity. This is what he is doing. And I grew up, as I heard people talk about the gospel, the way that I heard people talk about it was in just a very narrow slice of this great big picture. We forgot the according to the scriptures. And so I learned that it was just about what happens to me after I die. That something ha- I do something here, and when I die, I get to go away. But when we look at the story, we look that while, while our eternal life is certainly a part of the story, but the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is beautiful and full and robust. And it begins to offer for us a worldview, a way to understand our world, even today. And so we have a world that was created good, but that is marred by rebellion. And sin yields violence. The violence might be in war. The violence might be in words spoken. The violence might be in 
fractured relationships, all kinds of ways, ultimately in death. And so we are participants in the propagation of violence. We are part of what's spreading violence throughout the world. Who will save us? Oh, I have good news for you. I have good news for you. Jesus. Jesus is the one who died for the forgiveness of our sin. Because we could never forgive on our own. We could never wipe the slate clean and come before him as children. Jesus, through his sacrificial atoning death, changed everything. His resurrection. If we don't believe the resurrection, we are to be pitied above all else. This resurrection, it's affirmation of Jesus, but it's the firstborn of new creation. Do you see how all of this moves towards the end? New heaven, new earth. Jesus is the first one. And so he... It's a part of the promise. This is what awaits us all in new heaven, new earth, and the resurrection of the saints. This is where the story begins. This is where the story goes. And we find ourselves in this place of the already not yet. The good thing has happened. Acts talks about how it covers all the earth, right? The good news covers all of creation. That was our recreated commission to spread the good news of Jesus throughout creation. Flourishing goodness standing against, opposed to violence and sin and rebellion. And there will be a day, day, excuse me, a day upon his return and final judgment to condemnation and final judgment unto life and redemption in new heaven, new earth, when God settles in amongst his people for all eternity. And the resurrection is this firstborn. In other words, it's happening And no, it isn't fully completed. It won't be completed until he comes back, but it's happening. It's happening. God is doing the thing to renew and restore what has been broken and fractured. This is what is meant by the proclamation, Jesus is Lord. For when Jesus is Lord, he is the one who redeems and restores. When Jesus is the one, he is the one who has overcome sin and death On our behalf, Jesus is Lord. And Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns for all eternity and will return to set up his rule in a recreated heaven and earth once again. How the story begins is how the story goes. And all of it leads us to the salvation of Jesus. And so Jesus asks, uh, begs the question when he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does he say to respond to that? Repent and believe. The good news, Jesus is Lord. He has overcome sin and death. What must I do to participate in this? So it's not just out there, this good thing. What must I do? Repent and believe. To turn from sin and rebellion and to turn towards God. And to embrace the truth of God revealed in Christ in humble obedience including the verbal and the behavioral confession that Jesus is Lord. And so how might we summarize these pieces? Listen to this. Through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near. Sin and death are overcome. And new life is available through reconciliation with God. And all one needs to do to participate in this new life is to repent and to believe this good news. Bow with me and pray. Jesus, you are Lord.
we confess that today and proclaim that good news today. Remind us of that good news. For some of us, we have grown tired and sleepy and distracted. We have once known the beauty of your salvation, but our hearts have grown cold and some even hard. Renew us with resurrection power through your spirit and through your word today. For some, we have been living in open rebellion against you. We confess our sin and we proclaim that you are Lord. And in the new life of resurrection, God, we see you for who you are and we ask you for that new life. Teach us to walk in this new life as you lead us. And Jesus, help us as a community to bear witness to who you are. That those who have not yet heard would hear near and around the world. That we might be a part of your people um, spreading goodness, flourishing, salvation, and eternal life throughout all of creation. That is for our good, and it's ultimately for your glory. May your name be praised above all in heaven and earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would. I know we went long. We covered like from Genesis to Revelation. Right? So thanks for hanging with me. Uh, Don't forget to pick up your kids uh, and do so quickly if you would. There's some people up there who are probably cursing my name. So uh, thanks for hanging with me. Um, This is important. This is what we bear witness to. This is where our life is. It all, like this is the ball game, people. Like this is the deal. When we feed the poor, it's to bear witness to the lordship of Christ. When we care for the homeless, it's to bear witness to the lordship of Christ. When we um, reconcile and forgive, it's to bear witness to the lordship of Christ. We are gospel people living gospel lives in the midst of a world gone awry. The kingdom of God has settled down in our midst. This is the ball game today, tomorrow, and forever. Jesus is Lord. If you have never repented of your sin and given your life to him to know new life, you can do that today. You can do that today. Our prayer team would love to pray with you before you go. All right? Any of us on staff, anybody that you came with would love to have that conversation with you that you might know new life, life now and life forever. And as you walk out these doors, don't let the world push you back. You're gospel people. Walk in his love, walk in his power, walk in his grace as you go. And thanks for being here. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.